Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Lucky Let Court Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express and a proud member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your happy host, Chris Otto. Happy to be with you on Saturday, June 25th, two days before the main draw of Wimbledon kicks off. Qualifying is in the books. Media Day is was today. We heard from Igish Fiontek, Serena Williams. Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, lots to talk about and lots of information that you guys can find if you head over to our website at www.tennisnow.com. But for now, we're going to talk all things Wimbledon with Richard Pagliaro, Tennis Now's editor. We chatted yesterday after the draw released. Oh yeah, by the way, we have a draw and it features Serena Williams as well as Rafael Nadal, two players we weren't really sure would be playing Wimbledon this year, but they are. We've got an order of play for Monday. Center court, Novak Djokovic, six-time champion. He's won the last three Wimbledon men's singles trophies. He'll kick off center court against Sun Wu Kwan. Also have Allison Van Oitvank against Emma Raducanu on center court. And Andy Murray, the two-time Wimbledon champ, against James Duckworth. So, so much to talk about with the draw, with the three-week lead-up to Wimbledon. Lots of grass court events in the books. We saw the superb play of Matteo Berrettini and Beatrice Haradmaya. Petra Kvitova just picked up a title this this weekend, along with Taylor Fritz, Stefano Tsitsipas, and Caroline Garcia. So, we're going to break it all down, talk about the draw, and look ahead to what is going to be a tremendous fortnight. Richard Pagliaro is here. Let's listen to the conversation and we'll see you guys on the other side. Richard Pagliaro, it's been far too long. Let's talk some Wimbledon. How are you, my bud? I'm really uh, excited seeing the draw, and let, let's get to it. You want to start with the Mets update? Uh, Sure, whatever you prefer. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I'm man. easy, you know, whatever you are. Like, well, our listeners, you know, they by now they know that you're a massive Mets fan. It's kind of um it's kind of a good good season for them. So seriously, they're 45 and 26. Give give us a few few words on the New York Mets as it stands right now. You know, encouraging but uh injuries to key players. It's like tennis in that way. It's always a concern when one of the big players go down because you just don't know if it's going to be a lingering thing but the thing in baseball it's a long season just like tennis so hopefully the guys will be back but they have they definitely have the ability the talent you know interestingly it's like the best season in decades but they're getting overshadowed by the yankees who are having even better seasons maybe that's a good thing even when the mets win they're not like you know the real (laughs) you know it's like being the charlie brown of baseball I hope we get to go to a game in, uh, during the U.S. Open, by the way. Let's C- do it. With City yeah. Field uh, right around the corner from the U.S. Open grounds. It's pretty, well, we're going to shoot through the Wimbledon, hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. Um, okay, so we're here to talk about Wimbledon, 
And it's pretty exciting because we got a draw, and we're in both in the states, so it was in the wee hours of the morning. But the draw is set: men's and women's singles. It's pretty crazy because Serena Williams is in it. Let's start just out of the blue with Serena Williams, the world number twelve oh four. What did you see from Serena in doubles? What do you think of her draw? What do you think she might be capable of doing at Wimbledon? I think with uh, her, all things are possible. And, you know, I was encouraged by, I know people had sort of mixed reviews. I mean, everyone was excited to see her back in doubles, but I was really encouraged, particularly the first match, the third set tiebreaker, where she just, I mean, she's playing next to the world number three, and she just stepped up and took complete control of the match. I mean, it was like Serena became Serena, you know, like, and I realize it's just one tiebreaker, you know, it's a lot different than winning, you know, two out of three singles, and she only had to cover half the court, but I, I was impressed with what I saw, and I thought she cranked up the serve progressively as far as the miles per hour and also the range as, you know, those two men, I, I was impressed. It was hard to tell physically because she's wearing long sleeves and leggings, so I couldn't really get a good sense of her legs because usually you could tell when her legs are really defined that she's done a lot of cardio, stuff like that. But uh, I was impressed, and I'm encouraged by – but her draw is real tough, I think. You have Pliskova down there. You have Coco down there. There's a lot – and, you know, that's just to get to Iga, who we presume is going to get through. Um, so I'm excited. Anything could happen. It's a volatile – she's in a volatile section of the draw, but she's an explosive player. So yep. <laughs> that's, a, that's an exciting combination. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the, the prevailing sentiment is excitement. It's so great to see her back. She's smiling. The doubles was fun. Right. And, and as you mentioned, <laughs> Um, the quarterfinal match, the, which was the last match she played before Owens Jabor retired with the knee injury, and, and they they handed the walkover. Um, three aces from fifteen forty down in one of the games in the second set, back to back to back aces. They weren't really a hundred percent power, but the precision was there. The cadence of that serve is majestic. She's going to need that shot, obviously, big time to get through a couple rounds. Harmony Tan is her first round matchup at Wimbledon and then she could face which a, a tricky second rounder against either Sarah Saribas Tormo who she faced in doubles at Eastbourne or Christina McHale who gave her problems at Wimbledon a few years back do you think absolutely what do you both think? of those are the kind of players that could extend the court extend the point and you, you right. want to try to exploit her movement to see how she you know, I was on a call with Chris Everett in ESPN call and she said that's the big unknown because she was only covering half the court you don't know laterally and you also don't know front to back if, if you have someone who can drive shot or because you just didn't see it so you don't know yeah. and those are two players who could extend the court maker move yep and that's the trick the how well can serena execute the serve the serve plus one and some really high octane returns to get enough points done and dusted early without having to go into long rallies and then of course how well can she move can she move well enough obviously i think we all know her movement is going to get exposed to a some degree but how right. well does she cover it up? And, you know, when you balance it on the scale with how well she's serving, if she's putting up 28 performances like she has done in the past, I don't know if she can do that anymore. But if she is, uh, it's going to be interesting. Again, the, the prevailing sentiment is excitement. It's great to see her. She's 40 years old. She's an ultimate Wimbledon legend, 98 and 13 lifetime at these championships. Would love to see her get that win 100 and be pushing for making the second week. Right, absolutely want to see her get to 100. And also, you know, the, the big takeaway for me, those matches, like when she was playing the deuce side and the doubles, and when they were going forehand to forehand, she was hammering some of those four. It was like she was saying, look, if you're going to sit here and make, and I can just 
stand here and not have to move much and you're going to go for I'm just going to knock the cover. I mean, she was ripping those forehands. So I think that's a good sign as far as the timing because that's always tricky yeah. on grass. It's a lower bounce. You haven't played in a year, stuff like that. But yeah. uh, I thought the grounds, I thought she looked really good hitting the ball. It's just can she get herself in position to hit the ball? Yeah, we're going to find out and can't wait. Um, let's Let's talk about some other things. I asked you when we were on Slack to give me five names that have caught your eye over the grass season. It's been just about three weeks of grass court tennis. We know how fast and furious it is. We know that a lot of players are stepping off the clay, especially those who made long runs at Roland Garros. And it's really just a fight to find some form and get their feet underneath them. A lot of players lacking experience on grass, especially as we didn't have a grass season two years ago. Some of the younger players really struggling to learn about this surface. So Anything stick out to you in these um, in these grass court events that we've seen over the last three weeks? Any names that stick out? Well, to me, the top two you got to look at is Matteo Berrettini successfully defending Queens, and he's the Wimbledon finalist, and he's you know highly motivated because he missed what twelve weeks with that wrist. I mean, with the the hand uh, surgery, sort of come back as he has, just totally right out of the box, just you know putting together this unbeaten streak on grass and he's coming back to Wimbledon where he was a finalist last year. It's really exciting to see what he can do. And, and Beatrice Haddad Maia, I think, is a big, big story on the women's side, a lefty Brazilian and just a breakout grass season for her, although she lost today to Petra Kvitova. It was a really good, tight match, two tight sets. And you're losing to someone who's won Wimbledon twice, so there's no shame there. And I would also say Kvitova and Ostapenko are going to square off in, in Eastburn. Both of them have been really, really good on grass. Ostapenko, what, 2018, the first Latvian to ever make the Wimbledon semis, and Petra, two-time Wimbledon champion. Those are they're both going to be dangerous, I think. But another guy that always sticks out for me is Curios, because when you watch how quickly he can just breeze through holds, like 45 seconds, 60-second mm. holds, then he can just flip it around on you and drop shot on you and just do freaky things on your service game. He's a guy that's just so unsettling to play that if he got confident and got on a roll, he's someone. And, and I should mention Andrescu also. I really love watching her, and she's done a really good job on grass. And she's playing with a real positivity. She's smiling. She's emotional in a positive way. I really like what I'm seeing from her. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I've, I've heard a lot of talk about Bianca who entered the season, by the way, one in four on grass at tour level. She's four and one now this year and into the final at Bad Homburg. What is it that that makes her an exciting player for people? Why are people tabbing her as a potential dark horse at Wimbledon? What do you think she's doing well? The emotions? Well, I, think pe- I think people just always respect her as a big match player because you saw what when she gets on a roll, what she did Indian Wells, the U.S. Open, and she's fearless. against. She can do it against anybody, but for me, the reason is the variety, that she can play low-high, she can slice you down low, which is really, really tough on grass, especially the taller players. She can spin it up high on your shoulders. She can take the backhand down the line. Her serve is underrated. She's not a huge server, but she has a good, solid serve. And her skills at the net, in the front court, she has really good hands. She's not afraid to play those short short angles, you know, quirky shots that you have to play on grass. She's a creative player, and I think people really love that. But I think the positivity that she's really happy to be back out there, and she seems like mentally went through sort of a dark time and has really come out the other side with a with a sort of gratitude, appreciation for it. I think people connect with that. Yeah, She's a nice story and didn't really even get her season started until Stuttgart. Now she's 11-5, and five, and the only match she lost 
on grass was against Pliskova, which was the third set tiebreaker. And in that third set, she held serve at love in their first four service games and then kind of got nerves, got the best of her and lost that match. But she's been in every match she's played. And you're right, all the all the variety that she has that works so well for her on other f- surfaces, working even better on grass, perhaps. Hasn't won a title since that U.S. Open triumph in 2019 and bidding for one tomorrow against Caroline Garcia. And that should be interesting. And that might give her a little extra momentum heading over to Wimbledon if she does so with a title. You mentioned Kyrie. Well, let's let's go back to circle all the way back to Matteo Berrettini. I mean, just ridiculous. 32 and 3 on grass <laughs> since 2019. 20 and 1 since the start of last year's grass season Incredible. on grass. Only players to beat him on, at Wimbledon were Djokovic in last year's final, Federer in 2019. And then he also lost to. Um, he actually lost. To, to someone else at the beginning of his career. I forget who it was. It wasn't Gofan. Gofan is the only other player that's beaten him on grass since the start of 2019. Um, but, I mean, the serve plus one, the confidence, the forehand, uh, It's he seems to be able to avoid the trouble on his backhand on grass so much better than he does on the other surfaces, right? Absolutely, and also the slice backhand that he has, it's better mm. on grass. The, gra- the surface helps the slice because he doesn't have a great backhand, but the surface helps it. But exactly what you said, they can't get to the back. His serve is too big, and the next ball, if you leave it anywhere central or mid-court, he's, he's just all over it. And the guy's a massive forehand. I mean, it's just a ballistic forehand. Look, what, look how he made Novak defend at times on that serve. Yeah, he's a dangerous guy. I know a lot of people have put him actually second favorite ahead of Rafa just because Rafa hasn't played there since 2019. So, yeah, yeah, he's a really, really dangerous guy and a confident guy. And he also sounds like he's a little fired up just because he's not happy that the ATP stripped the Wimbledon of the ranking points. It puts him in a tough spot. He's going to lose 1,200 ranking points. It obviously puts Novak in a worse spot. But I think that maybe fires him up a little bit, like, um, you know, gives him a little bit of an edge, something additionally to play for. He sounds like he's pumped. Yeah, there's something about Matteo Berrettini on grass. He's he's a big match player too, and it, really at all the slams, he doesn't. At all he doesn't, the slams, absolutely. He, he doesn't give you those cheap losses. And by the way, Gilles Simone was the player that beat Berrettini at yeah, Wimbledon in good, 2018 in the second yeah. round. But before Berrettini was really who he is now on grass, he's just right. such a dynamic force on that surface. Clearly, did learn the lesson that Roger Federer gave him back in um, 2019. It was always funny. I always had to get a laugh about that after the match where he talked about the. Uh, thanks for giving me the lesson, Roger. He learned a lesson. He's he's an excellent yeah, basketball yeah, player. He's a very personable guy too. So people respond to him. I mean, women love him because he's a good-looking guy. But I mean, when you hear him talk, he's a very charming guy. He's a person, someone you want to have a beer with or a glass of. You know, he's a normal person, but in mm-hmm. a, in a good way. So let's stay with a few of those names you gave me for players that caught your eye during grass court season. I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on Petra Kvitova, the 2010 and 2014 Wimbledon champion. I I think, or I could have 20, it could be 2011, um, 33 and 11 overall at Wimbledon. But you know, what's funny to me about Petra, she's only seven and six at Wimbledon since she won her last title in 2014. What gives with that? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Yeah, I just think she's been kind of up and down and understandably so since that attack and her, you know, the whole issue with her hand where, like she said, I've heard her say it in a few press conferences that she doesn't fully have the feel and maybe never will have the feel. And when that's your connection to the ball, you're basically your hand on the handle of the racket and you don't have full feeling. I mean, that's a problem. I mean, that's obviously a problem, which, you know, reminded me when they Dow won Roland Garros when he was saying they had to inject him to numb, that he's playing on a part of the foot that he can't even feel that's pretty freaky and amazing that they're both able to sort of still be at that high level when you can't feel that connection to your yeah. you know or i mean it's weird it'd be like if you're a guitar player and you didn't have feeling in your fingers or you only had three fingers or so. it's a weird yeah. thing so i think that's a big thing but uh i don't know she's always been a streaky player but she's always loved playing there and i think of those majors that's where she's most comfortable and you know look she was She's got hot here. If she get hot, she's just one of those players, though. She can hit anybody off the court, but she can hit herself off the court. You just don't know. Some of her misses are big misses, where it's like five, six feet, just yes. because she swings so aggressive, so fast that if she's fractionally off on the ball, striking the phrase of the, I mean, she can have really big misses. So. I don't know. There's a wide swing, but she seems like she's real. I saw the match today against Beatrice. She played well. Yep. And she played the big points well, and they, Beatrice didn't get a sniff on her serve. I mean, I think she faced one break point. So if she's serving like that and with the hook serve to the ad side, watch out for her. Yeah, good points. And you, she got it done in the first set tiebreaker against Hadad Maya, who's a player who was, I think had won eight out of her last nine breakers. And you were right again. Kvitova made a lot of unforced errors in the match, and some of the misses were bad, but... The key for her, dial it in on the big points, keep playing the aggressive style, hold serve with ease. You can get away with high risk on the return games. And, and you know, she's a player that is so disruptive and takes away rhythm from her opponent. Disruptive is a really great word to describe her. And also the other thing I would say is comfort on that court is so critical. And, and you look, she yes, she's in a very tough section, but there's nobody that she could stand next to at the net and would be intimidated play. I mean, she grew up basically with Pliskova. She knows her, she's played her, she's beaten Serena in Big Matt. There's nobody that she would walk out there and be like, wow, I'm really nervous, you know. I'm not saying she would walk out there thinking she's the favorite, but she would definitely like her chances against anybody because she matches up well with anybody on that surface. You just hope she gets hot at the right time and doesn't, you know, hit herself into oblivion, which can yeah. happen. Yeah, the nerves are definitely an issue with Petra, and maybe with uh, having a really kind of a horrible season by her own uh, lofty right. standards right. this season. I think she's 14 and 13 now on the year. Maybe she's feeling no pressure. Maybe she'll get it figured out at Wimbledon. We all know she's a force. And by the way, just 2011 was the year of her first title where she defeated Sharapova in the final 6-3, 6-4. Right. And, uh, you know, that's an interesting thing. If you were to ask me of the three former champions, uh, the champions, not Serena, like if you were say Muguruza, Petra and uh, Kerber, which one do you think? I would say Petra of those yeah. three could go the furthest of no. those of the former, you know, just because I really like her game for that surface. But, you know, she could go out in the first round, too. She's just very up and down. Yep, and we've seen that at Wimbledon before. In fact, I was at uh, court number one where she lost to Sasnovich in the first round. In, um, yeah. That was 2018, and last last year she lost to Sloane Stevens in the first round, so we know anything Sloan can Stevens, happen. But, yeah. but you know what? My favorite uh, wimbledon Petra Kvitova match was third round 2014 against Venus Williams, an epic sh- shootout uh, won by Kvitova, 5-7, just an amazing match. Two players amazing playing match. at their very best, and um, that's the kind of tennis we hope to see from Petra at Wimbledon. 
other names you mentioned, so I don't want to let this go. You talked about Nick Kyrgios. Let's dive in a little deeper on Kyrgios. My take on Nick is that he's done himself a proper service by relaxing, skipping the clay, going home, making sure he's in a good mindset, coming to his favorite surface grass, relaxed, in good health. I think he's playing great, and I think he's really in good position to probably get back to the second week for the first time since 2016. Yeah, I think he can, if he gets on a roll there, I think he's he's a guy to really watch out for. I love the way he's been playing, and he does seem to have a re, sort of a more relaxed attitude, and he's played more consistently this year and more injury-free this year, I would say, than previous years. And like you said, I mean, skipping the claim, really saying this is my priority, I really love Wimbledon, I really want to do well here, good good for him that he, that he sort of made that a challenge and that he stepped up so far. He's had some good results, and... I mean, he's a really, really dangerous guy. I got to watch him up close at Queens a few years ago when I covered him. When you see him serve really close range on grass, I mean, it's amazing that they get the ball back. I mean, yeah. his serve is it's that good. I mean, not only the speed, the movement, the angles that he can hit, that he can hit it short in the box. Obviously, the tee is the big ace serve when he goes down the tee, but he can do so much with it, and he can just hit it so hard. But not only that, but the, it's so quick out of his hand that you don't really have time to sort of – you don't really get a read on it. I mean, it's just so hard to read his serve. So that's a huge weapon if he's healthy and and confident. Um, he's a really dangerous player. I know the big thing is could he do it three out of five sets because his mm-hmm. body always breaks down. I don't, I don't have an answer for that. No, we, none of us do, but I think he looks like he's in a pretty good place right now. I mean, losing to UB Herkic in the semifinals at Halle in a third set breaker, that's not a bad loss at all. He's got semis in Stuttgart, lost to Andy Murray. I'm not sure mentality-wise where he is about facing Andy Murray, and that was a great performance from Murray. So two back-to-back semifinals and then pulled out, I think, precautionarily out of Mallorca after beating Laszlo Jerry in a, in a long and a, a, a kind of a gritty first-round win. I think he's doing all the right things. Uh, what do you think of his draw? Yeah, he's in a tough section because he would collide with Sitsipas, I believe. Let me just get my draw out so yeah, I make sure. I think he would play Sitsipas early. Right? Well, he would have – Krajinovic was just in the Queens final, but I think he would – I would like his chances in that match if he – I think he would have him first, right? Uh, I just have to pull up my draw to make sure that I'm... Yeah, he, you know, he, he's he got a tough, definitely a tough section, but, uh, I mean, he's a... He leads the ATP in service games held this season. He's very, very hard guy to break. You get him in a tiebreaker, he's... I mean, if he... He, I like his potential there, but he's also very undisciplined, and he could be, a, you know, a cranky <laughs> carrier, a temperamental guy. So Paul Jubb in the first round. Yeah, Paul Job. Exactly. Should, should that's the match nice he win. should win. Obviously, he should win it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think he had. If, yeah, I think he could put together a run, but, you know, it's a cautionary tale because every time you think he's going to put together a run, you know, something might happen. So he's a tricky guy to figure out. But if he plays to his potential, he can put together wins there, in, in my mind. Absolutely. Paul Job, first round, then potentially Krajinovic, as you said, who's the 26th seed. Uh, there's Shapovalov, who's kind of been a weak link this year, and Batista yeah, Agu. he's had a tough year. Potential round of 16 against Batista Agu or Shapovalov. I think he can handle both of those guys if it happens. I mean, oh, potential well, potential third round against Tsitsipas. Sits- Is yeah. that true? Whoa. Yeah, that's, that's the match. I mean, that's where I would Whoa. Think- 
match. Yeah, you know, my so. goodness. I feel like I feel like it's Knicks to to get out and get to the quarterfinals. If 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 if, if the thing we talked about, best of five setters, etc., doesn't hinder him and he's in a good place, I feel like. And I'm call me crazy, but I feel like he's the best player between what who's in his section and the quarterfinals. And of course, Berrettini would lurk if he did get to the quarterfinals. But yeah, I mean, let's see. Let's talk about Sitsipas because last year, as we know, he had a brilliant French Open, reached his first Grand Slam final, lost a heartbreaker, and didn't play on the grass at all. Showed up at Wimbledon and was shocked out of the tournament by Francis Tiafo. No shame in that, but it was clear that Stefano Sitsipas was not ready to go in the way he wanted to be ready to go at Wimbledon last year. This year, he's got three events under his belt. What do you think of his progress? Do you think he has evolved a little bit as a grass court player? Yeah, I do, and I think he's trying to be more assertive in terms of using the front court and his forward movement more, which is what you want to see. And look, his forehand is a big weapon on any surface, but especially on grass because he can go inside in down the line where most guys are going to go inside out so he can wrong foot you on grass. You get wrong foot on grass, you're not recovering most people unless you're like a Djokovic or Nadal or something. So he, yeah, he can be dangerous. It's just he's had one run there. I think of four appearances, he has one fourth run every other time. Mm-hmm. It's a first-round loss, but I like what I've seen from him. I think he, he can put it together. It's just if he, if you, if you tell me right now it's going to be Kyrgios Sitsipas, even though Sitsipas is a fourth seed, I would favor Kyrgios in that match if that came off. But obviously, it's a long way from here to there. But um, I like his game. I mean, he should be a better grass court player. I think a right. lot of it comes down to footing and movement, and that he doesn't feel as comfortable moving. And also the return. Obviously, the backhand return has always been an issue on any surface, but especially on grass. Okay, and we should mention that Kyrgios was a wild card in Halle and defeated Tsitsipas in the round of 16, 5-7, 6-2, 6-4. Also, 3-0 and against Stefano. He's got a win at the ATP Cup against him in a third-set breaker and another win at City Open in a third-set breaker, the famous Yeah, they're uh, shoot, always shoot really, match. really tight matches, too. You just wonder, three out of five, could Kyrgios maintain the sanity, yeah, yeah. the concentration, where Tsitsipas is, even though, you know, like you said, he had the earlier than expected loss in Paris still, you know, he just does have played more deeper into more sense. But let's not forget Kyrgios won the Australian Open double. I know it's doubles, not singles, but I mean, this guy has had big matches this year and he's performed pretty well in a lot of them. Yep, he really has. It's going to be, that's going to be a potential highlight of the first week if we get that. I really hope that comes off. I mean, I think that would be a fantastic match and their styles are different, but they're both aggressive, assertive players and you know, they go after it and they're both, I think he should be a better grass court player than he's been. I just, I think the movement is a thing. Okay. Let's switch, switch gears a little bit. Talk about draw winners, draw losers, starting with men's singles draw. Who's the biggest loser in that draw? You know, I was going to write that down. I know you're going to ask me that, and I, didn't, uh, I knew the women who I had an answer for. But men's loser, I was going to say Hercotch because of uh, Davidovich Fakina first round, and you know Hercotch has had a great Wimbledon last year. But I'm going to say Felix because I think Felix is really dangerous. Um, Cressy you know, first round. I'm going to say Felix because Cressy first round is a very scary guy who's coming off a slew of really good wins this week and is a confident guy, and he just bombs the first and second serves. He comes at you. He's like the Terminator. He just keeps coming at you, and you've got to think there's going to be tiebreakers there, and in a tiebreaker, anything could happen. Mm-hmm. And then you got a guy like Sock, who's a qualifier there, who's been uh, you know a doubles champion there. I, I, I don't know. I guess I would say Felix just because of that first round. It's, okay. it's a scary match. 
No, yeah, no. For me. After that, but also it... he's in Rafa's section uh, ultimately, and even though they played that five setter in Paris, you know, it's a tough, tough yeah. matchup. I think if, if it was me saying it, I'm I'm looking at the big dogs and I'm thinking Rafa is the loser because. You know, he got Berrettini in his section. Again, he potentially has Oje Aliassime, so he could be worked to the bone a little bit if he gets to a final with Novak. And then you're looking early on, potential matchup with Sam Querrey, who hasn't done much this year, but we know how tough he can be at Wimbledon. And then yeah, a potential, yeah. uh, potential round of 16 with Marin Cilic, a former runner-up who's obviously in good form, judging from what he did in Paris, semifinalist also at Queen's Club. There's a lot of potential pitfalls for, for the King of Clay. Yeah, the match that scares me the most for Rafa is the Chilich match because Sam Querrey, like you said, he's been a Wimbledon semifinalist. He's beaten Murray. He's beaten Djokovic. I mean, Sam Querrey's a dangerous player, and he's beaten Rafa for sure. He's beaten him, and to uh, see he just doesn't move. I don't. He just doesn't have the same light to me when I watch him. I think Rafa's going to be able to move him, but if he's serving bomb, I just think Rafa's going to. I think he's going to get through that match. I think the Chilich match is a scary match because, like you said, he's coming off a of semi and Roland Garros. This guy's been a Wimbledon finalist. He won at Queens. He beat Djokovic in the Queens final. And he mm-hmm. plays flat, so he doesn't give you a lot of response time. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, that he's definitely got a tough – I was just looking at his Rafa, you know, I – I gotta think he's gonna get to that to that Chilich match. That yeah, I think I'm very sanguine about Rafa's chances. I mean, things have gone extremely well for him with the foot. He seems to be upbeat. He seems to be right. Yeah, he yeah. Seems I, to be I, seriously I, I, I'm optimistic. I'm yeah, optimistic. and I think I also think that he gets underrated on grass quite a bit. I mean, the last quite a bit. I was gonna, I was gonna make the point when you said that because Berrettini, sure, he's scary twenty and one. You know, his last twenty one, but Rafa's got the hook lefty to the backhand side. I mean, he's going to see that all day long. That's just a tough, tough matchup for him. I like I like Rafa in that matchup. And also, I also think Rafa is a more complete and a better grass court player now than he was even when he won Wimbledon in 2010 because he's a better net play. He's a fantastic, yeah, yeah. phenomenal volleyer. He's shown you that all these last few majors that he's won. I would say since the age of 30, he's shown you how, what a great volleyer is. He uses the slice a lot more, the off-pace slice to bring the other guy in. He has a great lob, great overhead. He does, you know, he has a complete game, so I think he's better now on grass. It's just is the foot going to hold up, and is he going to hold up to the pressure of chasing the, you know, the calendar slam? But mm-hmm. he I mean, his game-wise, it's there. I'm yeah. not, I, I, I think he's going to go deep. There could be some fatigue, for sure. But let's be clear about Rafa on grass and, and the fact that he's underrated. 53-12 and 12 lifetime at Wimbledon. Last two appearances, he's, he's really made Same. an uptick. Semis yep. and lost to Djokovic in an absolute epic. And the, and the winner yep. of that semifinal was probably going to win the title facing Kevin Anderson. And then 2019, lost to Federer, who was resurgent and... It's just one of those things. Federer just kind of was able to solve Nadal for a certain period there. and But those two losses, no shame at all. And the fact that he was in both those semifinals, semis for the first time really, wow. If you look back, uh, a runner-up in 2011, hadn't been back to the semis since. And, and so 2018 and 2019 are maybe the beginning of something for Nadal that he can follow through on this year. So don't sleep on him. But yeah, Marin Cilic, ab- absolute um, grass court legend. So it's that'll be a um, that'll be a heck of a matchup if we get it in the round of 16 and Marin Cilic is playing well. But of course, I'd favor Nadal. I'm just saying Rafa did get a tough draw compared to what Novak got. Yeah, oh, 100% agree. Yeah, and I wasn't trying to imply that you I, – I understand what you're – yeah, I 100% agree. His draw is definitely tougher than Novak. Absolutely. And what about – I mean, I'll be surprised if Novak's not in the final. I mean, I know it's – you know, he hasn't played – 
a tune-up, but he never plays a tune-up, or he has in five of the six titles he didn't play a tune-up. So I'm yeah. not worried. I think Novak's going to be there in the end. I think Novak opens with Sunwoo Kwan. He could face Ketchmanovich in the third round. Kokonakis, potentially, or Meyerjack of Poland in the second round could be tricky. Opelka's in there. He hasn't shown much form. Potential um, potential quarterfinal with Carlos Alcaraz, who's got some heavy strapping on his elbow and yeah. limited in grass court experience, but I still do have high hopes for him. Um, it's going to be tricky, and, and Hubie Hercotch is Novak's potential semifinal opponent, so obviously he got the easier side, and, um, and Wimbledon is a place that he absolutely dominates. Three titles in a row, six overall. He's, he's amazing at Wimbledon, and he seems to find, even when things are bad for him, he seems to find like some kind of inspiration and sense of purpose when he plays at SW19, so look out for Novak Djokovic. But Richard, let's talk women's. Are there draw winners and losers that stick out on the women's side for you? I would say the loser to me was is Simona Halep, uh, 2019 champ, because Muhova, you know, oh. is a really is a two time quarter is a really all, great all court player, two time quarter finalist, you know, Australian Open semifinalist. You saw what she did uh, in Paris. That's a really really tough first round, and even if she gets through that, you know, you got like a giant killer like Georgie who can just hit anybody if she's on, you know, potential can third hit round. Any, anybody off the court, and she's in that same section with, uh, well, Bedos is the top in that little bracket, but she's still in the area with, uh, you know, Puskova, Serena, Coco. So I, yes. I think Halep. I, I think that's a tough draw. Mukova is a hell of a player at Wimbledon. Um, yes, so that's a tough first rounder. She could potentially have third rounder with Georgie, as you mentioned, and a potential, if if Kvitova lives up to the hype that we've just given her, a potential round of 16 with Petra Kvitova. So a gauntlet for Simona Halep just to reach the quarters where, who knows, Pliskova or even Serena Williams or Coco Goff could be waiting. Yeah, yeah. I was going to pick Coco before the draw. It's just she's in a really volatile section there's a lot of dangerous players there like you said yep a couple uh former wimbledon champions in uh, petra simona serena all in that quarter yeah and pliskova is <laughs> the finalist from last year and you know what she her serve on grass is is lethal yep hasn't kick-started her season yet but maybe wimbledon will be the place do you find a draw winner on the women's side someone who got it exceptionally good you know i think uh i, I kind of admit I kind of like their shot now is looking at the draw is Ans Jabor, even though she had to pull out of the Eastbourne doubles. And like you said, maybe that was just precautionary, but she opens with a qualifier. She's a third seed. She's in the bottom half, so she's away from Iga. She's away from Serena, away from Coco. You know, people who can really serve big. And she's in a section where I think she can go deep. I really do. It's just a question of, uh, you know, you saw what happened in Paris. The last major, when you came in with high hopes, it didn't. It didn't go the way she wanted, so if she can respond, I think mentally is the challenge, but she has a nice section. Owns. And I also would say, you know, we spoke earlier about uh, Haddad Maya. I think her that bottom quarter with her, Benchich, and uh, Contivate and Sakari, one of those players could be. I think Benchich has the game to really do some damage. Absolutely. But uh, Ostapenko is also in that section. Ostapenko is a former Wimbledon semifinalist, hits flat, former Grand Slam champion, and she's on a roll and in, in, uh, hasn't dropped a set in Eastburn getting to the final. So you've got to really look at her, too. Mm-hmm. Well, first off, I'm glad you mentioned Owens because I think, to me, she's the player if it's not going to be Iga she'd be my number one player with a with a shot to win this title she does have a pretty good draw she kind of routined her way to the Berlin title which was rather impressive with wins over Mukova who we spoke about Sasnovich who's a tough out 
Coco Goff, and then Benchich, who retired in the final. Uh, in your opinion, maybe uh, what are your, in your opinion, do you think Grass and Owns having, you know, do you think there's synergy there? Do you think it's maybe her best surface potentially? I think it can be because she moves well on it, and also she can play the slice and the short stuff, especially obviously everyone knows she loves a drop shot, but it's hard when you're on grass and she's making you sprint from behind the baseline all up to the front court where, you know, it's more slick, there's more grass. It's just hard to stop and change direction. So her hands, her ability to soften the ball, deaden the ball, use the front court with the slice and the drop shot, but also the flat forehand, you know, she can just tee off on the ball too if she wants to just play power ball so that variety is unsettling and she gets a little bit more juice on the serve on grass i think it's she can slide it wide and low a little bit which helps her so i think her skill set kind of work, really works well on grass yeah. or should yeah yeah for sure and a quarterfinal last year at wimbledon and and clearly um playing with a sense of purpose after having a really disappointing first round loss at roland garros after yeah doing so was well disappointing, in the and like you said she bounced back really strongly which you love to see you just wonder she did pull out of eastbourne and also just you know, you're a number three seed now. That's a different kind of pressure. Let's see Absolutely. how she responds. I hope that's a precautionary pullout where Serena said, "You know yeah, what? You I know what? Owns, is, I've had enough." <laughs> I was, I, I was kind of in my in my mind. I was hoping that Owens has absolutely no injury and talked to Serena. And Serena said, "Hey, Owens, why don't you pull out? Because I feel like going to Wimbledon and getting on that yeah. grass over there. This we had enough fun with our two wins. So I yeah, think we, we did what we needed to do. But let, let's hope she's in good health. Um, yeah, it's. I didn't see really too many draw winners. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to really handicap it with. You feel like. Iga's in a class by herself, I think. Right, the- so you want to be away from her. That's why yeah. I just start with that premise. I want to be as far away from her as possible. <laughs> and then, you know, the dangerous people like Serena, you know, players like that who have won before, you don't want to be around them either. Yep, and I and, thought... You know, if you're on the bottom, you're in good shape, at least in that respect. Yeah, I thought Ostapenko could potentially be a winner because of the fact that the highest seed in her quarter is Annette Conteve, who has not been playing well. And Maria, right, Maria Sicari right. could also benefit from that, although she hasn't been playing well either. And then I had another take, and I'll run yeah, this Yeah, Conteve's had the coaching change, and on Sicari, she's been so up and down since Indian Wells. But I will say this in her defense, like she has made two major semis yes. in the, what, last year and a half on two different surfaces. So she has done it, but, you know, at Wimbledon she doesn't have a great – record there yeah i'm just but, waiting so, yeah, for I'm, I'm with you i'm totally like if i'm ostapenko i mean i really like her chances there is opportunity i think emma raducanu has a bit of a tough one with allison van yeah. funk first who's um you know former quarter finalist and really kind of lethal on this surface potentially and she beat Ugarutha, i think uh one year I remember she that did. it was a big upset and uh, potentially carlene garcia's second round potentially madison keys third right. round so like maybe three we know fitness has always been an issue with Emma, so maybe three tough matches in succession to get through week one. I'm, personally, I don't see it happening. I think she got a pretty tough draw, but we'll she time will tell. She got a tough draw, and also the, the pressure of just going back there. Ugh, I don't even want to think about it. And also going back after you had that breakout run last year, the whole country is going to be on her, so that's a lot. Yep. Uh, last question, Richard, because I know you got to go, and I know you got to get on a plane to get head out to Wimbledon pretty soon as well. And there's probably a Mets game for you to watch in between. But if not, if my last question, if not Iga Sviantek, the she of the 35 match win streak, then who for the Wimbledon women? All right. I was going to say before the draw came out, I was going to say Coco, but I just think she's in a tough, very yeah. tough section. So I would say if it's not Sviantek, I would say. Um, I would say either Ansjabor or I might say um, 
I might go with Ostapenko, right? mm-hmm. just because she's done it. And, yeah. Uh, she's on a really good roll. She's on a really good run, and if she can keep this run going. She hasn't lost a set so far getting to this Eastbourne final. And yeah. her ball is just so flat and hard, and she can drive it down the line. It's just movement is not her forte, and her you know her service can be up and down. Yeah. Yep, that she'll need to serve I said well before sure. the draw, I was definitely going to go with Coco, but then I saw where she's at. She's just in a, she'd have to beat some real, you know, legitimate Grand Slam champions of finals just to get to Iga, and that's a that's a big ask. Yeah, I think you're. I think you made a good call. I, I would say the same thing with with Owens. I feel like it could be her time. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be her time potentially even at Roland Garros. Um, so. Wait and see, but I'm sure there'll be plenty of surprises between now and then. Richard, this was good. I'm glad we got the chat, and I hope we can do it a few times during the tournament because it's always nice to, like, put down the keyboard and stop typing and actually talk about our thoughts on this amazing tournament. Looking forward to it, and thanks for your time today. Yeah, thanks so much, Chris. Appreciate it. Thank you. Dude, we got about 36 hours till Wimbledon kicks off. It's going to be great. Hope you guys are fired up, as fired up as we are. Thank you, Richard Pagliaro, for joining me today. Always appreciate your insights, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Remember, you guys can find us on the web, www.tennisnow.com. Also, we're always around on social, facebook.com slash tennisnow, on Twitter, at tennis underscore now. There's also Instagram, and there's also this podcast. If you go into your Apple Podcast app, Type in Lucky Let Cord Podcast. Voila, you'll find us. We love it if you rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. You can find it on Spotify as well and wherever else you like to listen to your pod. So really appreciate your support and your listenership. And I hope you guys will stay with us for the fortnight. It's Wimbledon 2022. Excited for it. And I'm sure you guys are too. Enjoy the tennis and we'll speak to you during the tournament.